Charles Dickerson. A few weeks ago, I was in Ghana, Africa, and my phone was blowing up. I said, who calling me from America? Everybody know where I'm at. And Bishop's name came across the screen. I made him pull the car over. I said, my bishop is calling. <laughs> and what a time we had. Thank you for allowing me to be here tonight. Like the pastor mentioned, his babies were sick. I stand in the new season. About two weeks ago, my queen and the love of my life, 28 years, was diagnosed with cancer. And you know, you really get to know God when the storm is in your life. But I told the preacher coming down, you help me tonight. Because God is a winner. Yeah. Are you in here tonight? And I recognize that he gives the preacher seasons of pain. So we can serve him better. I said, you hear me? He gives us seasons of pain. So we can press in. So tonight I want to talk to my brother. I'll let y'all ear hustle, all right? But I want to talk from this topic, how to encourage yourself in the Lord. First Samuel chapter 30, one through six, you will find these words. Excuse me and my uh, short uh, shortcuts across the field, but the hour is late. First Samuel 30, one through six. The text says, now it happened. Now it happened. When David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag. They attacked Ziklag and they burned it with fire. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. And they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, their daughters had all been taken captive. 
Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept. And they wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had both been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed. For the people who were with him spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Family, there are some times in life that will come to break the man of God. And when these types of dangers attack us, the preacher needs to know what to do and how to do it. It's evident in the text today that David had been caught in one of life's most trying situations. And he didn't have anyone on his side to encourage him in the law. David, in spite of being alone in one of the darkest hours of his life, has to learn, Bishop, how to encourage himself so that he can endure and stand in the trial of his life. This text today, man of God, helps me to understand what to do when life ain't fair. What to do when devastation comes to your family. David becomes the poster child of hope in God in the midst of it all. Because he learns, somebody say he learns, how to encourage himself. Let me back the car up and bring you into the scene. David in chapter 29 had been summoned by King Achish from the Philistines. He had been summoned for David and his men to come down and war against Israel because he was now on Israel's wanted list. The king wanted David to fight alongside the Philistines against now a new enemy. As the Philistines drew the battle lines, they looked over yonder and saw that David and his 400 men were also in the same battle formation. And the Philistines got worried and talked to King Achish. They said, Achish, we can't go in the battle with David from Israel. You got to tell David and his men they got to go home. Are you listening here? And after he gave David the word, the Bible says that David took his men and they went back to Ziklag. And when they got there, they recognized that the enemy had come and did them some damage. Can I park right there for a minute? I found out that sometimes you can be away doing ministry, whooping the devil on one front, but he's at home getting busy in your house. Can I say some more? When they arrived back home, they discovered that every last one of their wives, their children, their family members have been taken captive by an invading enemy. 
all of their resources were gone. Their homes and their businesses have been burnt. And now these men find themselves in a crisis. Here it is. Their livelihood have been threatened. Their egos have been stepped on. Their families disrespected and mistreated. And now they all believe that it's David's fault. If they had not gone to help the Philistines, this would have never happened. Their wives would be at home. Their businesses would be intact. Their properties would still be there. Their community would not be devastated. Their inheritance would not be lost. Their reasons for living would still be around. They blamed David and guess what? I believe David blamed himself. In fact, they began to talk according to the text about stoning him and taking his life for the lives they had lost. And just that quick, Bishop, David goes from being their leader to being David the despised. Can I say some more? David answers the call in this text at a time of crisis. He teaches me that you don't shrink back because the storm is raging. You don't ball up and cry because the enemy has got some licks in. He don't get high to escape the situation. He don't blame nobody else for what's happened to him. He don't try and put the situation off on somebody else. David steps up and he leads as God's man in the midst of this terrible situation. David does three things. Number one, David encourages himself. Number two, David empowers himself. And the third thing he did is David employed himself. Y'all gonna let me unpack it for you tonight? In verse six, the text says, now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the law. And then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. Family, when you arrive at this portion of the text. Something phenomenal happens in the midst of David's crisis. First of all, the loyal men that were with David become so grieved in their spirits, here it is, that they turn on their leader. I said grief will make you act up. The grief overtakes them and they turn on the one who's been nothing but good to them. They forgot that this was David the Great. They forgot that this was the one that Israel had a hit song named after. They forgot that this is the one who blessed them with the families they had, that blessed them with the prosperity that they had. And when a little grief set in, they turned on the man of God. Can I turn the light on? They forgot that David's family was taken too. Are you listening? They forgot that just because he was their leader did not mean that he was exempt from the trials and the tribulations 
of life. Here's the application. I've learned from this passage that leadership is a hard thing to do when you lead in God's people. Sometimes they love you and sometimes they don't. Sometimes they'll turn on you when grief has them arrested and they know not what they should do. I've learned, Reverend Hammond, that a leader has to stay focused with precision-like determination and never take it personal when the truth starts to misbehave. A leader's got to know where to go when nobody else knows where to go. And the text says that David goes to the priest. Did you catch that there? He went to Abathar, the priest, who was also running from Saul, and he asked the priest a question. He said, where is the ephod? Bring me the ephod. Somebody said, Pastor, what's the ephod? Well, the ephod was a significant piece of clothing that was ascribed to the high priest to be worn as a uniform in battle. The high priest was to wear this on behalf of the people of God, carrying them into the presence of God. On the ephod were some very important stones, and each stone represented the tribes of Israel. It was the thing that allowed him access into the presence of God, carrying the people of God. Did you catch it there? David asks for the ephod. Why does he ask for the ephod? Because David knows that I need to get into the presence of God to handle this situation that I'm in. Can I say some more? David recognizes that his men are not down with him anymore. He recognizes they don't believe in his leadership anymore. And what he does in his text is critical. He teaches me that sometimes you can't have nobody pray for you. You got to pray for yourself. Can I tell it all tonight? You got to encourage yourself by getting into the presence of God. Here it is. When you find yourself in a fight of your life, take your cues from David and get engaged in intercession over your trial. Here it is. David was positioning himself to be taught by the law in the midst of the storm that he was in. Can I say some more? I know you caught it, but just in case I'm not clear, he took it from the priest. It was the priest's job to be the intercessor for the king. But here the priest got the same problem that the troops do. Are you listening here? How terrible it is to have a spiritual leader who won't pray for you. David's in a situation where he got to get it from God on his own. Who am I talking to today? I said, who am I talking to today? David has to encourage himself in spite of the situation. The story is told about little country dog bishop who was very braggadocious. The word was that he was the fastest dog on the block. One day, him and the other dogs were hanging out having a conversation and a squirrel dotted out in front of him. And it was on from that point on. He ran and that squirrel zigged and that squirrel zagged. Ran up the hill around the block and through the alley. And when he came back around, no squirrel. 
And all the other homies laughing at him say, yeah, you fast, huh? What happened to the squirrel? He said, y'all forget the squirrel was running for his life, but I was just running for my dinner. Did y'all get it? Did you get it? He had to learn how to encourage himself even when he failed miserably at his task. Here it is. Perception is everything. Perspective is everything. David has to encourage himself, but also, secondly, David has to empower himself. Let me show you what I mean. The text says in verse 8 that David inquired of the Lord, saying, after he put on the ephod, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, pursue, for you shall overtake them. And without fail, you're going to recover all. Can I turn the light on? When you arrive at this portion of the text, here we learn that David can't wait, yes, on secondhand intercession. No, he's got to get in God's presence by himself. And when he gets there, he's got two questions that he asks God. God, shall I pursue this truth? And if I pursue him, shall I overtake him? Can I unpack that right there? He wants to know, am I too late to save my family? He wants to know, can I catch the one who's done this evil to me? For David, it's not a matter of if I should do something. It's a matter of am I too late to do something. Here it is. David is a warrior. So fighting is in his blood. He's a shepherd. So taking care of sheep is what he's wired to do. He needs to know if there are any sheep left. He needs to know if anybody has survived. He's going to do something, but he needs to know what that something is. Here it is. David is teaching me how to pray in the crisis. He's teaching me that doing nothing in the crisis is a sign of giving up when there are lives to be saved. David is teaching me that you don't ever give up. He's teaching me that fighting to the end is what a warrior must do. Help me, Holy Ghost. David is teaching me that my family is worth fighting for. Even if the enemy has them captive. David is teaching me that if I don't fight for them, nobody will. Y'all in here? David is teaching me that I'm responsible for pursuing my family's well-being. David is teaching me that the Lord wants to use me to pursue them. I learned in this passage that the Lord saw what had happened the whole time. Heaven was not ignorant to what happened to David and the true family. And God could have stopped the enemy at any time he wanted to. But rather he's teaching me in the text that God wants to use men to pursue men. David empowers himself to seek the law. David empowers himself to get God's permission. David empowers himself to talk to the law about his troubles. David empowered himself to hear the word of instruction for his family's well-being. I notice in the narrative 
that David did not do the following things as a leader. Number one, David didn't roll over and die because he got in a season of trouble. Can I say some more? David didn't just let the enemy have his family because he was in a season of grief. Come on in here. David didn't become a permanent victim because of what happened to him. David didn't make excuses about his trouble because he was going through a season of suffering. But David took advantage of his position in God. He took advantage of his training in war. He took advantage of his mantle of leadership. He took advantage of his life experiences and became something that the enemy would come to fear. Yeah. Did anybody just catch any of that? Sometimes you got to use everything that God has installed in you to put your enemy on the run. <laughs> I feel my help in here. I like this because the text says that when the Lord saw David ask for the ephod, God was pleased with what he saw. Are anybody in here? God told him, yeah, pursue the enemy. Go get him, David, and you're going to get back everything that you asked for. Can, can I just be content-like for a minute? I like it when God talks like that. See, my God's got a whole lot of thug in it. Are you in here now? God knows a little something about warfare. And every now and then, he'll let the preacher get a taste of that and allow him to run the enemy because the enemy has tried to run him. I know I'm at an anniversary, but I just feel like preaching tonight. Can I say some more? Because he pursued the Lord, David got an answer from the Lord. Because he pursued the Lord, he got a word, Hobby, for God to show him what to do. Because he pursued the Lord, he got instruction for his troubles and got an answer on how to save his family. Here's the application. When you get serious about the crisis of your home and you pursue the Lord in prayer and follow the steps of intercession, you too will get an answer for how to handle the situations in your life. Can I say some more? When you get serious about that life-threatening situation and you pursue the Lord in intercession, you're going to hear God tell you what it is you need to do and how to save your loved ones. Help me preach it all, God. When you learn to empower yourself to seek the Lord for yourself, nobody will have to tell you what the Lord said because you would have heard it for yourself. Here it is. If I were you, I'd learn how to talk to God for myself. If I were you, I'd learn how to find him in the midst of the storm. If I were you, I'd learn how to ask him. Show me how to save my family. Show me how to reach my husband. Show me how to bring my wife back. Show me how to go get my kids. Show me how to save my neighbor. Show me how to reach my mama and my daddy. Show me how to go to the hood and get boo-boo in them. Show me, God. If I were you, I'd become empowered to pray for myself. I'm off my script here, but can I say some more? 
Nothing to teach you how to pray like cancer. I love me some Sharon Ann Wilson, you hear me? And I laid down my life to, to die for her, to serve her. But when my baby got diagnosed with cancer, my prayer went to a whole nother level. And I heard God tell me in prayer, son, you can't carry this cross for her. But I'm going to let you be like Simon the Cyrenian and draw close in her sufferings. The Lord said to me, I got this for her because I'm trying to conform her into my image. And every child of God has got to endure the sufferings of this old world. Little trouble come your way. That ain't the time to quit on God. That's the time to press in and get to knowing for yourself. Can I say some more? If you'll do this, I guarantee you that the Spirit of God will show up in your seasons of storm and meet you in the midst of your crisis. Story is told about a little boy who was flying his kite on a windy, cloudy day. The kite kept going higher and higher until finally it was beyond the clouds and his sight. Passerby walked by and asked the boy, what are you doing? The boy said, I'm flying my kite. He asked the boy, how do you even know if your kite is up there? The boy paused for a minute and he said, because I can feel it tugging in my hand. Are you listening here? You might not see the spirit of God working, but when you press in in the storm, Every now and then, you ought to feel a little tough of your intercession. Well, David encouraged himself. David empowered himself. Let me land the plane when I tell you that David employed himself. My Bible said, so David and his 600 men who were with him, they came to the brook of Bezor. And where those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men. For 200 stayed behind because they were too weak to cross over the brook. Family, when we arrive at this portion of the text, I saw something that I never saw before. David never asked for his men to come along with him. The text just said that David went. And I know that the other men had family to be taken also. Just a few paragraphs ago, they were willing to kill David. And I know that they were what we call disgruntled soldiers. But I can't help but notice that when the leader leads, the men will follow. Leadership ain't up for discussion. David employs himself because he's gotten the word from the Lord. And the word from the Lord is that he'll pursue and he'll overtake him. Bishop, it was with this encouragement and empowerment that David and God are one man army. David employs himself believes in himself, recovers himself, revives himself, and so he leads himself. Let me say it this way. As a commander, he don't tell the others what to do, but he leads the mission for himself. And the Bible says, 
that 600 brothers saw his example and they decided to follow him again however as they ride out as a band of soldiers on the mission 200 men got weak and they couldn't make it to fight for their families stay with me I'm going somewhere 200 men got weak and they left their children in the hands of the enemy 200 men got weak and they left their women in the hands of some gangsters 200 men got weak and refused to travel any further to fight for themselves their communities their families their names or their brothers 200 men got weak and deserted the army of God but the Bible says David kept going here it is he left the weak men behind I'm coming down your road he left the weak ones behind and I like this right here because David knows that everybody who say they down with you can't make it to the end I learned from this passage that everybody who claims they in the car till the wheels fall off really ain't down till the wheels fall off I learned that some people don't have the stamina in warfare that other people have I learned that when you have people like this in the ranks sometimes you gotta leave them behind because they'll slow you down bishop when you all about trying to save your family can I preach it all Sister Rocky, I learned that these kind of soldiers require too much attention. They need attention and their attention will take you off in a pursuit that God puts you on. Here it is. If they are too needy, they'll demand all your attention. If they're too needy, they'll make you slow down. If they're too needy, you can't get nothing done because their psychology demands your physical attention, pulling you off the field of ministry to get into the field of nursing. Can I just preach like I feel? There's a difference between a warrior and a nurse. Nurses are for the wounded. Warriors are for the lost. You got to determine in 2018 what kind of leader you going to be. Am I preaching in here? I'm learning this text that you can't fight the enemy and babysit the truth too. You can't fight the enemy and nurse the wounded at the same time. Here it is. David is teaching me, take only the men with you who got a stamina to fight. Sometimes it's good for the ranks to thin out. Then you know what you're dealing with. Can I say some more? He's teaching me in every battle you need to also have a secret ally. Somebody that can show you where the enemy is. I got to get out of here. I've been up here too long already. So let me press my way through the text. When you get a chance, go ahead and read that chapter. But here's what happened. David and the 400, they go after and pursue 
their families. And on their way to pursue their families, they discover an Egyptian soldier who's been left behind by the enemy. And they see him in the field and they nurse him back to health. They give him a little food. He gains some strength. They give him a little water. He gains some strength. They give him a little bit more and now they've won themselves an ally. David asked him, man, who are you? And where did you come from? He said, I was running with the Philistines and we just left Ziglag. We burned down everything and took everything they had. David doesn't whoop the man, but he questions the man. He says, tell me, can you take me to where the enemy is? And yeah, the Egyptian says, if you promise not to turn me over to my master. David says, I won't do that. Just take me to where he is. Can I say some more? What David did is he teaches me something about evangelistic ministry in a wicked day. He teaches me how you ought to treat the one who's been mistreated by the enemy. If you find them wounded, don't beat them up and try to transform them into Christians right away. Because they can lead you to where the rest of your folk are. Go. Can I say some more? He nurses his ally back to help. Lest I keep you too long, I'm gonna press across the field. The Bible says that with the Egyptian, David then finds the enemy that was doing what they did to his family. And the Bible says, from sun up to sundown, David whooped his enemy, took back everything that the enemy had. Can I say some more? Now I credit this victory not only to David, but also to the ally. Because the ally teaches me something that's real deep right there. What we do to those folks who come in from the world is we beat them up so bad that they don't even want to come back to the church. Are you in here now? They ain't through smoking weed, so let them keep it a little while longer. Are you in here? When God get through with them, they'll be clean. Let me say some more. The ally leads them right to the place where the other folks are. Maybe this will help you. There was a fella in Compton not long ago who decided to take his girl on a picnic and a romantic day in the park. Stops by the chicken house, orders some chicken, and he's going to have a picnic down by the bay. Orders his food, chit-chatting, gets a greasy bag, takes his girl down by the park. As they get there, they lay out the spread and they reach into the bag and they notice that the bag was filled with money. So he jumped up and said, there's been a mistake, mama, take me back to the restaurant. He goes into the restaurant and he asks for the manager. The manager comes out and he said, man, somebody's made a mistake. I ordered chicken and I ended up getting this bag full of money. And the manager got ecstatic and said, man, this is phenomenal. You're the most honest man we've had in this restaurant in days. Let me call the media and get a picture of you right now. 
And the man in panic said, no, 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 no. Don't, don't call the media. I don't want no fanfare. And like that. And the manager said, what's wrong? He leaned over the counter and said, this woman ain't my wife. Y'all get it? Did y'all get it? No, I think you missed it. See, the man became an ally to the manager in spite of what he was doing. He helped the manager to keep the integrity of his job. Are you with me here? And the manager accepted what he could do for the business. What am I saying? Sometimes you need sinners to walk with you. Don't dismiss the drug addict. Come on, talk to me. Don't dismiss the dope dealer. Why? You need access to some of those communities. Am I talking to you here? I think what's wrong with my church, I don't know about y'all, is everybody saved. And when everybody gets saved, everybody get amnesia. And forget where they came from and how to go back to that address. What I need is some unsaved folks that'll take me back to the place. Well, the other folks will. Well, let me get out of here. I didn't mean to do all of that. But the text says David was victorious. He got all his stuff. And something happened at the end of the text. The Bible says that the 400 men that were with David, when they got back to the brook of Bezor, the 400 men said to David, now the 200 men that didn't come with us, they ain't getting nothing. Are you with me here? This is here is very interesting. David is pastoring two type of men. Weak men and wicked men. The wicked men feel like because the weak ones didn't come, they don't get none of the bounty. Are you with me here? And David does something that's phenomenal right here that introduces us into the type of Christ that he has on his life. He says, no, no, no. It was the Lord who gave us the victory. And they gonna get what they got coming. Are you with me here? Here it is. David becomes a righteous king. A servant king. In spite of those who didn't go with him, he gonna minister to him anyway. I got to leave it now. But Bishop, I stopped by to tell you. Even in our seasons of crisis, sometimes we got to minister to those who walked away from our service. Even in our times of crisis, we got to pastor those who don't see the vision. Even in our time of misery, we got to give the blessing to all of those who never came to the prayer meeting. Even in the spite of the situations that you and I are in, we still are called to serve those who wouldn't serve you. And I'm so glad tonight that I've got an example like David. Yes, because David teaches me that I can't quit on God's people. He teaches me that if they never come to an anniversary, I still gotta preach the word of God. He teaches me if they don't fight when mama got cancer. I still got to bless them because I'm over them. He teaches me that I'm to walk like a good shepherd. I'm to lead them 
them in the midst of their struggles. I'm closing now, but I'm glad that Jesus is the type of king that he is. Can I go down that road? Nobody ever asked him to die for their sins, but he died anyway. One Friday on a hill called Calvary, they stretched him high and they dropped him low. Hey!